landlord was trying to fix my oven today. Okay. We're just going to take the cord off to, and buy a new oven, put the old cord on there. But the, the old cord's damaged. There, were, there was an arc, and uh, one of the terminals on the, on the power cord was just fried. Okay. Like it fell off. We're just like, well, maybe, that, maybe that's what caused the oven to break down. And he's thinking maybe he can get a new cord and just save the money of getting a new oven. Sure. That seems reasonable. Yeah. It, it does seem reasonable. But then he you know, figures out what you know, deep well socket he needs to get this wire off the terminal. And he completely busts this because in arcing whatever power surge happened to cause this uh, oven not to work and the, the wire to burn out. Yeah. Also welded this nut to a bolt. Okay. And so as he was trying to move it, he just breaks a bunch of mechanical things. And while he could replace all those mechanical parts, he's looking, he's like, I don't want to drive up to this appliance shop today and Blaine. And he's like, yeah, I think we're just going to get you a new oven. Okay. Yeah. And so your uh, apartment exploded then? or no, no, I mean, he was really thankful. He's like, looking at this damage, this whole thing could have, the house could have burned down, you know. I, for those that don't know, I live in the upstairs of a duplex. What, it, what an up, uplifting story of, of almost dying. Yeah, I, so the good news is is that my place didn't burn down and I'm still alive. The bad news is, is you all have to listen to this podcast with me on it. Industrial in Lower Northeast Minneapolis. We are the Daves you know. This is Daves I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to. But we both know I can't do nothing at all. Another week, another Dave's I Know podcast. How are uh, how are your weeks, gentlemen? Don't all speak at once. Mine was busy, but okay. uh, fun. Played lots of broomball. Had to uh, deal with, uh, am I getting a new oven or not? Yeah, heard about that. We all got to make fun of Iowa for an entire week straight because they can't run a caucus. So that was good and fun. And that, that is further true. eroded all faith anyone should have in diploma in that democracy. Yeah, but you yeah. know, we got to laugh at Iowa, and that's a great trade. That's fun. Yeah, I mean, everybody hates Iowa. Even Iowans hate Iowa. It's so. true. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah, MJ, I missed you at uh, the Blackheart yesterday for the U.S. Women's game. I thought you were going to come. Me? Yeah. Did you say you were going to come? I saw on I Twitter was, you were talking was, about it. And I was hoping to to come, but. By the time I got done with all my broomball stuff, you couldn't come anymore. Yeah, basically that 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 spent like you. You had exerted was, all of your spent, energy, and you literally could I was not spent come after again? after broomball. Yeah, you could not come. It, it you was just one say, of those. Just say I could not come. It was one of those things where I I got back to the house that I'm house sitting at, let the dog out, cooked myself some dinner, realized like I stink. I haven't showered yet. I was just like, and it's six fifteen p.m. And wow. I was like. That game was over by then. Yeah, no, I was hoping to make it for the second half. Yeah. It was just not happening. Yeah. That was about the only game in the entire tournament. I realize we'll get there uh, in a further segment. But that was about the only game in the entire tournament where missing the first half didn't mean that you missed the 
entire like tense part of the game. The U.S. The Canada actually held the U.S. scoreless in half. Yeah, that was so. true. Yeah, we were, we watched it the first half, and then uh, uh, Ann and I had a, a date night, so we, we dropped our kid off at my gran- at my pa- parents' house at his grandparents, and uh, went to the black card, had some pizza, hung out, and then we we caught the caught the first half, uh, caught most like, beginning part of the second half, saw the first goal, and then we left to go to the Riverview Theater to see the. Uh, uh, beautiful day in the neighborhood. The, the yes, new, the Mr. Rogers, or the relatively new Mr. Rogers movie, which, which is not as good as the documentary, FYI. Um, but no that's, surprise there. That is for another uh, another podcast. Uh, the Dave's you know talk movies or talk film. Um, we're not going to talk film. We are going to talk about uh, soccer. Um, before we, and lots before and lots we move on from film, yeah. though, I just say that the first foreign language film to to, 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 to yeah to, can, to to win. I'll get you know what it, it's, it's South Korean. Um, you are uh, uh, a Korwegian. Um, I'm going to give you if you want <laughs> a soapbox to talk about Parasite, please do. It's yeah. awesome. It was a fucking so fantastic the, movie. Usually, when the Oscars has like difficult decisions, they'll say, "Oh, you get best foreign language film. We're going to give best director to this film, and then we're going to give best picture to this film, and they kind of split up the pie." This this year, all three of those went to one film. Uh, it went to Parasite, and it's the first foreign language film to have won a Best Picture ever. Yeah. So shout out to Korean cinema and uh, director Pong Joon Ho, who uh, tied Walt Disney rec- Walt Disney's record from like what 1937 by winning like four that. Oscars in one night. Yeah, it was like a 63 so, year old record or something like that. So it's a it's yeah. a hell of a night for him. Yeah, it was fantastic. I was I was really excited when I because I, we got home after the movie. And uh, I was just, I, I just like, I'm not gonna put the fucking Oscars on. But then I started following on Twitter and seeing like, like Bong Joon Ho had won for best director, and he like had, he had already won the Did international he win feature. For original screenplay as well. Uh, I think so. Yeah. You said four. I was only aware of the three. Yeah, because because I... uh, Taika Waititi won for adapted screenplay. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. he definitely won for um uh, for yeah uh, original screenplay as well. So it was fucking fantastic. For um, those who haven't seen it, go see it. It's a very original uh, plot. Very fun. Yeah. Uh, so, if you like this content you hear each week, if you want to uh, get our, our Corwegian uh, Dave's I Know film uh, film experience, I think we could probably make that happen on the Patreon. Um, Patreon.com backslash the Dave's I Know. It helps support the Dave's that you know. Helps pay for things like SoundCloud. Um, uh, ideally, we'd love to pay um, our, uh, our good friend Bill McGuire, who's not here tonight. Unfortunately, he had a... Uh, um, a herniated disc or something like that. So he's uh, he's hopped up on painkillers, um, not recording. So if he, the recording sounds like shit again, it's because Bill's not here and we're on the back on the old equipment. So don't worry about that. He'll be, Bill will be back. Um, Patreon.com backslash the Daves I know to help support the Daves that you know. Um, so gentlemen, let's jump in. Um, I think the the biggest thing, the most, the, the probably, I mean, league wide, the the biggest probably news of the week was the CBA being ratified. Um, collective bargaining collective agreement. Gar- yeah, they had the the team, the MOS, and the players' union had agreed. The so the original CBA expired at the end of January. Um, they had agreed to extend it uh, for another week because I sounded like they were very close in uh, in terms of what they were on to get. And um, we got a, a got a new collective bargaining agreement that will cover the next five seasons, twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty four. I'll just highlight a few things, and then if you guys have anything specific you want to want to talk about. Um, you can we can jump in. So I think some of the biggest things um, are they uh, uh, charter minimums. Um, so if you're not familiar with MLS, we've talked about this a lot in this podcast. Is that there were maximum number of charter flights that teams could take in the previous CBAs. I believe it was four charter legs or something like that. Um, that has changed. Is now minimum number of charter legs. I think eight is the, is the minimum, and that's going to keep bumping up by two every year until the end of the CBA. So by the end of the year, so you play 17, um, 17 road matches. That is 
34 legs of a charger, basically. The, the home and the away basically is one leg. Um, so you'll be getting over half or almost half of your of, of, of travel um, by the end of the uh, um, CBA will be mandated to be charter flights, which is great. Um, so it's a minimum. Each team has to hit it. There also is uh, exceptions for, um, and these are also mandatory. If you are playing the playoffs, mandatory charters. And if you're playing in an international competition, so the new League Cup with Mexico, um, any CONCACAF Champions League, things like that, those are all mandatory charters. Um, so that's a big thing. Do you guys, any, you guys have anything to, to add on, on that, or you want to talk about that at all? You know, it's one of those quality of life things for players that I think when the in initial sort of CBAs were in place, players were willing to say, well, you know, this isn't such a big deal. We want a larger piece of the pie. We want a big, bigger share of media rights, et cetera. And I think they got about two seasons in and went, ah, fuck it. We got to change this. Commercial sucks. <laughs> Commercial sucks. And I think it's particularly for players who played a lot in Europe or down in South America. I think they're legitimately surprised by the amount, by how long travel takes. Yeah. I mean, New, like New York to LA obviously is a long ass flight, but even Chicago down to Miami this year or... <laughs> Uh, Denver out to Seattle. I mean, you're talking about three, four-hour flights, and that's yeah. not an inconsequential and, amount of time and, to be folded up and coached. And these are elite athletes, like who I like, need to need to recover and all that. Like I remember uh, doing some traveling when I was wrestling and uh, flying like right after like a, a tournament, like not getting a chance to like take the day to recover. And I would get I would get be fine. You get on that flight, by the time you get off that flight, you're just a fucking wreck. Like everything hurts. Um, you have you like the lactic acid is built up, so like. It's there, it's really I think it's a it's a hugely important thing. Um, MJ, did you have anything you wanted to add on that? Or? One of the things that I keep hearing from European players that come from Europe to play in the, in the United States, adjusting the travel is a huge thing. They they are used to having three or four teams that you can just walk across the street to, and I'm being I'm exaggerating here, but and then there. Uh, I mean, not in, not in London, pretty much. You yeah, know? Arsenal and Tottenham stadiums are what a mile from pitch center. Yeah, to pitch Good, center. Goodis Goodison and and, uh, and uh, Anfield are literally a couple thousand yards away from each other. So, and then in addition to that, every other game is maybe a two to three hour train ride at most. You know, and a lot of them are they do flights now. Like there, there's I was reading something in the I think it was the Athletic basically like where like Arsenal took a flight. I can't remember where exactly it was, but it was like they were like it was literally they were in there for like like twenty minutes. It was like doop doop, and they were and like, but they didn't want to. Uh, they didn't want to deal with having to take the bus, the, the, you know, the way all so the way. This is a, as Dan already said, a huge quality of life thing. Not having to fly commercial, getting all the team together. It's it's a huge, you know, team camaraderie, team chemistry building thing to have all the team in, under one roof in a in a smaller, more intimate setting. It's great, great for the league. Um, so the other big win by the uh, by the players union was uh, a. Uh, um, a much more expanded free agency yes. um, for uh, players. Um, previous was 28 and eight years in the league, something like that. I think they're a veteran by that point. Yeah. Um, this so they it's reduced. It's been reduced. It's now 20, 24 years old and five years of service. Um, and that also includes now that includes like DPs too. Like before, DPs weren't included in the free agency uh, pool. Um, so 24 years old and at least five years of MLS service. Uh, then you become a free agent. They also uh, reduced the cap. I think, but I believe it was you could only sign like one or two free agents per team per year. Um, so they reduced that number as well, so that more teams you know, teams can sign more free agents if they would if they would like to. Um, so more than doubles the numbers of players who are eligible. Um, 
you know, eliminates the exclusions. Now, they did, as part of the concessions for that, there are still um, very small escalators in terms of what a player can make in free agency. It's not, it's not wide open um, free agency like we have in, like, uh, Major League Baseball where you can, if you're the best, if you are, if you were the, like, Mike Trout, you can go on the market. If you can get on the market tomorrow, you can make, you know, a couple hundred million dollars a year if you really wanted to. Um, so there are limitations. There's only only so much more money that you can make. Um, but that's just going to be so much more important for teams to have the off-the-field resources and to, for teams to be smart about how they're allocating those resources in terms of, like, player management or, you know, management of players, um, coaching staff, and all the other amenities. So that's a, that's a, pretty, big, uh, a pretty big move as well. You know, one of the big things that changed in this is uh, TAM will no longer exist. You know, it phases out over the course of the CBA, so this isn't an overnight change. But, uh, you know, Minnesota United in particular made really good use of those TAM players, whether it was Romaro Ibarra uh, buying down Angelo Rodriguez's DP contract to TAM, uh, Christian Ramirez initially, Miguel Ibarra, RIP to both of them, Luis Amaria. Houston is a kind of death. Yeah. Yeah, Amaria mm-hmm. now. So th- that's a club, and, and some of the other small clubs uh, have made really good use of, the, of TAM resources, and those will be phasing out in favor of general acquisition money, or GAM. Um, I'm a fan of this for two reasons. Yeah. One, it's just more roster flexibility for creative front offices to figure out how how to shape a roster. They're now not trying to, to alternate three different pots of money. They've got a little bit more flexibility there. And two, just from a fan acquisition standpoint, not having to explain the difference between GAM and TAM, that's going to be great for all of us. <laughs> and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably a reasonably literate MLS fan. Someone has probably asked you at some point in time, hey, what's the difference between GAM and TAM? Yeah. And you're either super knowledgeable about the CBA or you sort of look like a deer in headlights. Yeah. So the uh, to, to clarify that a little bit, Tam was basically it's it, Tam was only be able to use um, on outside players. Um, the, the nice thing about transitioning that into GAM is that and that phasing that out completely and, and just incorporating that into the roster is that it can be used on U, U.S. players. Like before, Tam was very could only really be used on players coming back to the league um, or people who are being brought into the league. Um, phasing it out and incorporating that into the regular roster. Allows you to, to, to pay to give uh, your 24 year old American player, um, your Aaron Longs, for example, who you know maybe you want to try and keep uh, 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 Red Bulls for as long as possible. You can you give him a bump with with that money. It's, it makes it more flexible. Gam is much more flexible. Gam you can use on a lot of different things. Um, Tam was very, very specifically dedicated to rock, roster acquisitions. Gam you can use on things like your development academy and other other things, which is which is really nice. It'll be really interesting to see with this and with the general increase in uh, revenues the league will be getting. Uh, they'll renegotiate their media contract. I think it's either next season or the season after. Yeah. Front offices, prior to this CBA, the front offices were pulling from very, very similar pots of money. They were capped at spending at very similar levels. And so there was a lot of wheeling and dealing within those those uh, those pods of money. I always felt Harry Redknapp would be a phenomenal MLS manager. He's such a great wheeler dealer. But uncapping some of those and changing the way uh, particularly player bonuses are negotiated, it really is going to start privileging really creative front offices. And around the Twin Cities, we're really seeing the benefit of that. I mean, the Wolves have a tremendously creative front office, and at the trade deadline, they managed to basically completely overhaul their roster, a thing a lot of teams wish they could do. The Twins front office has been able to use uh, some really innovative methods to create um, 
the team that they want and they feel is going to be competitive. And that that flexibility just wasn't there in MLS. And with this new CBA, there is. So yeah. it'll be really interesting to see how teams that have thrived in the past system adjust and how teams that uh, could really use some of that magic will be able to shuffle the money around in a way that becomes advantageous for them. Yeah. MJ, is there anything else that in the CBA that you were uh, you wanted to point out or highlight? Uh, player bonuses. The Just the... You know, having things like a start bonus, win, uh, wins bonus, uh, having more performance bonuses that brings MLS more into the modern era like other professional sports we know. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, a couple other sort of minor things. The uh, you know, senior minimum salaries are going to uh, significantly increase over the course of the next four years, which is great. I remember uh, when uh, we saw what Brent Coleman was making in the first year of MLS, and my <laughs> wife was making more money uh, at her uh, corporate bank job than uh, Brent Coleman was making as a professional soccer player. Um, that's just you know, it's going to make sh- it's going to make the league more professional, which is I think obviously what we want. And then um, I guess the other sort of bigger rule that um, it's not sort of well defined because it has, it's actually. Not well defined, and we can add on this if you guys, unless you guys have anything else, is uh, is the uh, young designated player rule. Um, basically, from my understanding, from listening to a couple other podcasts, reading, there's a really great. If you're subscribed to the Athletic, I think it was Sam Stasekol and Paul Tenorio did a really good uh, breakdown of the CBA and what that means. But uh, so teams will still have the three designated players, which are again they are. Um, uh, they don't count against they only count against your salary cap to a certain amount. Uh, I think it's five hundred thousand dollars or something like that. Um, uh, but they're going to be implementing a rule, um, sort of like I think the language is very rare, like vaguely written that they can modify it later. Where if one of your DPS is under, is you can only spend if you spend if you have you can have two over twenty three DPS. You and then you can pretty much spend whatever the hell you want on them. Um, your third DP, if it's not under 22 or 23, I can't remember what the cutoff exactly is, um, it's older, over that age, you can only spend up to like what a TAM level player would be. I think it's like one, it's a little over $1 million. So you can't have, a, you won't ever, you won't have the, the, the teams of uh, Josie Altador, uh, Michael Bradley, and Sebastian Giovinco. Um, it's, it's encouraging teams to invest in young players um, like Thomas Chacon, um, and ideally that they're going to be turned on, like they're going to spend the money, you know, spend a couple million dollars on a player via um, transfer fees and their salary, and then turn around and sell that player um, to Europe, uh, to Mexico, to wherever. It's part of what Don Garber you know, wants the MLS to be a selling league. This is one of the ways that they are able to do that by encouraging and, and really you know, enforcing MLS teams to invest in young DPs, so I think that's an interesting rule. Again, it's not fully flushed out, so I don't we don't don't really want to extrapolate about what that means. I think teams that have those three DPs right now will probably be grandfathered in until their next contracts are up. But I, that's just something that's really interesting. Anything else about the CBA you guys want to discuss or? No, nah, I think we pretty well covered it. It's okay. great for the players. It's great for the league. And five years of labor peace means this will be the last time you hear us talk about the CBA, which is good for everyone. Hooray! Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's you know every everybody kind of won, which is a, I think that's a, a sign of a good negotiation, uh, on both sides. Um, all right, well, let's talk about some other United. We played some actual. We played some more soccer matches. Uh, this time against uh, actual professional teams and not uh, tiny colleges in uh, outside of Miami. Uh, we were played once coached by someone who scouted for you. <laughs> right. Today. So on Wednesday the 5th, uh, we uh, played the Charleston Battery. Um, we ended up with a 3-2 victory. Uh, 
Tyler Miller allowed two goals apparently in this game, um, but we ended up three-two. Uh, we have Dotson and Lude got uh, goals in the first half, um, and then Thomas Chacon got the winner in the second in the second half. So. I haven't read a lot about this game, but my understanding we were down in this game at one point. I think so. I think we were down like two to one, and yeah, um, I think we were down twice. I think we were down yeah. one nil and two one. Two, two one. Yeah. So, I mean, great. I, we, I don't think I, I can't remember if I, I didn't see the Dawson goal. If, I'm assuming it was a banger. Obviously, always he only scores bangers. Great to see. Oh, does score bangers. Great to see Lude and Chacon get on the get on the scoring sheet. Those are the players that we are probably the most. Um, I'm trying to think of the best word to describe it. We're probably the most concerned about. Hesitant, hesitant, um, uncertain, fr- frustrated with last year, especially with Kate's of Robin Lude. Uh, Apprehensive, but th- both those guys getting goals is is fantastic. Chacon's goal in particular, I think, was worth uh, worth looking up if you haven't seen it. Uh, he shoots with both feet. Um, took a took a first shot, I believe, right footed, hit the defender in the groin, which I pointed and laughed at. It had been a long day, and then uh, followed up with his left to put it in. So knowing that he can shoot. Pretty confidently with either foot is going to make him a real asset this year. It's fantastic. And then more recently, on Saturday the 8th, we played Miami FC, uh, or as they are better known, Minnesota United Rejects uh, FC. <laughs> uh, and we avenged, avenged a loss. The last time we played Miami FC was in the NASL days, and we lost to them. Uh, we avenged that loss with a 5 nothing win. Uh, you guys want to talk a little bit about this game? Well, I, I just want to expand on, on the... Minnesota United. Yeah, but, okay, please do. Yeah, uh, well, MJ's are MJ's our resident uh, MNUFC expat. Uh, correspondent. Yeah, well, I'm a big Once a Loon fan. There are several others out there. Uh, if you, you keep a spreadsheet though, which is yes, pretty intense. If, if you haven't if you haven't seen my my Once a Loon th- then a Miami FC player uh, power rankings, um, I'll maybe retweet it out this evening. <laughs> but basically, uh, Pablo Campos was the first. Then it was Johnny Steele and Stefano P- Stefano Pino. You mean you mean Johnny fucking Steele, the Johnny one fu- true captain. <laughs> yeah. That is that is the only way to describe him. <laughs> his proper My name apologies. is Johnny fucking Steele, the one true captain. Johnny fucking Steele, the one true captain. If and you S- Stefano Pino and, and more recently uh, Lawrence Olam and somebody named Harrison Heath. Yeah. If you want to get access to MJ's uh, amazing spreadsheet that he keeps of all these players, you should uh, hit him up on Twitter. Yeah, uh, it's but, pretty uh, amazing. Uh, they're they're. They're all Google Sheets, and yeah. I'm, I, I'll, I'll share them freely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we got goal. We got five goals. Five fucking goals. Um, Luis Amaria, he scores in his debut with his fucking head. Imagine Hell yeah. That. Imagine that. I, I just want to stop there for a second because I shook Amaria's hand yesterday at, at the uh, – we'll talk, uh, we'll talk a little uh, bit about uh, the boot soccer event. The uh, snow boot um, soccer. He's – I think he, he's taller than what people thought. I think people were saying he was like 5'7". He's definitely, more, he's definitely taller than 5'7". So that's a good sign. Apparently he can get aerial, which is a great sign, especially considering this team has very often, much to my chagrin and lots of people's chagrins, relied on headers and crosses into the box far too often. But that's a good sign. It's, I mean, it is Miami FC, but that's a good sign. Um, I'm really impressed with uh, Andrew Booth. Uh, He's, uh, yeah, he's one, of gotten, our, one of our fourth-round draft picks, and he's scored in several of our preseason games. Yeah, two two games, and uh, he scored in two of the three games, and he's got three goals, right? Didn't he get two in the uh, in the first game? Sounds about right. Yeah. I'm, I'm really impressed. We'll, we'll see if they sign him. Uh, we've only signed one draft pick that we drafted uh, 40 after the 40th overall pick. I don't remember who that is off the top of my head. Yeah. But... Uh, very interesting in the stat line. 
you know, it's worth pointing out that uh, this is the second year that we've had a relatively unheralded player show up in the preseason and score a bunch of goals. Uh, so I'm definitely proposing Andrew Booth is this year's zero. Yeah, um, yeah I, I literally, yeah, just going to say. So, you know, honestly, for a fourth-round draft pick, if he makes Minnesota United, that's great. Actually, question mark, because he's not going to see much of the field. Honestly, I think the best-case scenario is to do exactly what Giro did, which is impress the hell out of people in the Minnesota United preseason. Go to forward Madison, score a bunch of goals, go to another USL team, score a bunch of goals, yeah. and really show that he can do it consistently. But, you know, kudos to Andrew Booth. He got an opportunity, and it, he's taken it. He's certainly done everything he needs to do to further his soccer career. Yeah. Jiro, we didn't sign, but, like, I could definitely see us signing Andrew Booth to a to a contract and then loaning him out to uh, Ford Madison, Ford Madison yes. or some other team in the uh, in USL League One. And then the other goals, uh, Jan Gregus got another goal, and then Mason Toy with uh, a brace as well. Mason Toy's been on fire this uh, this preseason. I believe he's got three goals, three goals or four goals. Did he have a brace? I can't remember exactly. No, I think just a three. He definitely scored uh, in the first game as well. So three goals. Um, so five nothing over Miami FC. No, obviously we didn't see these games live uh, because they were not broadcast because you know MLS or whatever. Um, but we are going to see some preseason games. We'll talk about those in a second. Uh, the next uh, set of preseason matches will be will be uh, streamed, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Um, so some trialist news. Uh, so we actually finally found out who a couple of the trialists were. Uh, the probably the most. The uh, the biggest name that people might un- like recognize is Oswaldo Henriquez. He was the center back trialist per grader. Uh, he's played in the last two matches. Ike Opara has not suited up in either of these two matches, um, which without any word from Minnesota United about why, I'm assuming just some rest. They don't want to burn him out. But yeah, this is load management. We can only extrapolate because they don't say anything. Uh, Henriquez is a, uh, a, I got a center back. Um, he last played with Vasco da Gama in Brazil. Uh, I big, believe he's, big team. yeah, I believe he's 30 years old. So he's definitely not, uh, definitely not a long-term solution, but you know, could potentially be some depth. We do. We still need some depth at center back. So for sure. All right. And then, um, the next, uh, next thing coming up, we obviously what their team is back. A lot of the players were at, uh, we t- let's talk a little bit about the, the boot soccer tournament yesterday. If you weren't out there, the, the open house at Allianz Field, obviously we got six inches of snow, which kind of messed everything up in terms of trying to get over there. Um, but it was kind of it – it's actually pretty cool. Um, I got there a little bit later. I got there shortly after the Almeria press conference, and he was walking around the, the brew hall, shaking people's hands, taking pictures with his translator. There was also several other Minnesota United players, players there, including Michael Boxel, um, who just got his green card, uh, Chase Gasper, Tyler Miller, uh, Ethan and Finley. Ethan Finley um, were all there, as well as Cal uh, Williams. They just signed the, their new broadcasting deal. Um, the other thing I didn't put in the notes is we're losing Jamie Watson to the Nashville booth. Yes. Uh, he's going to be going upstairs and, and, uh, and um, doing color for Nashville. So I forgot to put that in the notes. So um, We certainly wish Jamie all the best. Yeah. And, uh, he certainly killed it as a sideline guy. I'll be really interested to see if he – progresses his career and ends up on a national broadcast team or well he did do a, he did do a little of the booth stuff with espn plus for the open cup and i think that i think you know i think that was ultimately what he's been wanting to do is to do some color um i mean it's too bad he's going to nashville which is a goddamn clusterfuck and uh i mean he he will be familiar with a goddamn clusterfuck because and he will have plenty to talk about yeah he definitely can uh, can vamp uh, up there in the booth um but yeah we wish jamie watson uh, all the best in his uh his adventures in smashville uh, throwback to when uh, 
I was concerned about needing to change our, our Dark Clouds dive chant, and he responded on social media to, it was either on, on Facebook or, or Twitter, no, you got to keep that chant, I love that chant, and with a lot of enthusiasm. And, and sure enough, when, when he did score a goal as a player for us, you know, his goal celebration was diving, like diving into a pool. So That's true. Um, he, he's a, such a great sport about, you know, what people criticize him for, and he always wants to get better. Yeah. Uh, all right, MJ, why don't you tell us a little bit about the upcoming uh, Portland tournament, which is going to be happening uh, starting on Sunday. I, I'm not going to go over all, all, all the dates and, and times. Uh, you can uh, – Stumptown well, Footy. Tell uh, tell us when Minnesota's playing at least. Yeah, so Stumptown. If you go to Stumptown Footy, uh, uh, Timber's blog, you can find a lot of details about this. Uh, it's February 16th through the 22nd. The most surprising tidbit I found out is that it's uh, the Portland tournament presented by Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Um, oh, interesting. So they, they have a sponsor. Which we all know, soccer needs so their sponsors in the United States. Is that Old Spice plus Trapper Keeper plus uh, beef jerky? I mean, if imagine being able to hold all your homework and eat the thing. I mean, that's and that's use a it, win-win. And use it's it every middle a, schooler's dream. And yeah. use it as a deodorant because middle schoolers do not know how to use deodorant. So having that in there would be even better. Yeah, you know, uh, it, it's like the triple threat. <laughs> all right, why don't you tell us what Minnesota's playing? Um, so on Sunday, February 16th, they are playing at 3 p.m. All times are central. Um, and that is, uh, sorry, no, they are playing at 1230. Sunday, February 16th, they're playing 1230 against New England Revolution. Wednesday. Those, those, are, those, are, those are not central times, I believe. Though, no, I did the math. I did the math. They were all listed as Pacific times because they are held in the Pacific time zone. And this was the Stumptown footy. This was the Timbers blog. But, yeah, no, I subtracted two hours. So, anyway, so 1230, Sunday, February 16th, New England Revolution versus Minnesota. Wednesday, February 19th at 530 p.m., Portland versus Minnesota. Hey, MJ, MJ, you went the wrong way. Oh, Sunday, damn Sunday, it, February I hate 16th when I do that. is actually at 430 uh, Central Time. Uh, I hate it when I do this. Wednesday, because these games, if you, are, if you want to come watch the games, um, I know we'll have them on. They'll be on at the Black Heart of St. Paul. Um, so yeah, uh, for sure the 16th and the 22nd. I'm horrible. There will be some people who will be watching the game on, on Wednesday, the, the the 19th. But as a that's a 9:30 kickoff because uh, we're the late game on that one. That's these are Portland all better Timbers. times if you have a day job or are working or anything like that. So yeah, Sunday the 16th against the Revolution at 4:30. Wednesday the 19th against the Timbers at 9:30, and then Saturday February 22nd against the Whitecaps at 4:30. Um, yeah, come on out, watch the matches. If you haven't picked up your uh, your Dark Clouds or Red Loon scarf, if you are a member of either of those supporter groups, um, they will be available for pickup uh, at the Blackheart on both the Sunday and Saturday matches, not the Wednesday match. Uh, again, it's probably going to be me and Wes uh, and maybe a couple other people sitting at the corner of the bar at Blackheart while a drag show is going on, watching a stream of uh, Minnesota United playing soccer. So if you want to come watch drag and watch soccer with some cool dudes, Please come on out, but it's going to be uh, – that will be probably a little less attended. Just so we're super clear, does everyone at the bar have to be in drag, or are we good just showing up in our normal You're series? good just showing up. Like, there will be people in drag doing drag. All so. right, that's fair. Yeah. Um, so, my, yeah. My, my last tidbit about this tournament is that uh, they made – for the locals, if you have a Timbers uh, membership, 
which I assume is like their season ticket membership, you get into these games free, which is fucking awesome. Cool. There's like all the, the, the all of zero Portland Timbers fans who listen to this podcast. There might be one <laughs> in in Portland. There's probably one. There's probably one or two who live who listen who live here in the cities, but. No, but I'm just saying. I'm, I'm giving you shit. It's if, if the weather were, if, if climate change continues to go in the current direction, and Minnesota United ever hosts one of these preseason tournaments, we should expect these tickets I, to be I, free. I, yeah. I want some member benefits. Yeah, is what I'm saying. That seems fair. Also, uh, our first game is against Portland for the regular season. Yep. So, I would find that a little bit weird. Like. I, Neither of these teams is hugely incentivized to put out their A1 lineup knowing that they're playing the team that will then see, again, that A1 lineup in, what, two weekends? This, so that, that's weird to me. This happened, the uh, and you also, MJU, again, went the wrong direction in terms of breaking down the time. Yes, 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 I'm horrible. Um, this, uh, in, our, in, our, in our notes, this happened the very first year of, of Minnesota United MLS. We played in the Portland Timbers tournament, and then we played in Portland for the home op- for the season opener. Um, so, I, yeah, I don't know. It's a... Uh, it's in, it's an interesting interesting uh, decision to do that. So, um, so yeah, you're right. So, so the so they so Portland celebrating ten years their ten year anniversary of Portland MLS, right? That's their yeah, yeah. The, the, so they're going to use the, their season opener to s- celebrate being in MLS for ten years. Cool, it'd be awesome to go and kick their ass in Portland. Exactly, ideal. All right, um, we have a couple other uh, small Minnesota United tidbits, and then we'll uh, we'll take a break. Um, the Reynoso uh, chatter won't die down. Um, the problem is it's all Adrian Heath is the only one that we... We actually got a little bit of uh, uh, clarity yesterday, but before that it was basically Heath. Um, he's saying it's, it's, it's moving along, it's progressing. Um, he's, been on, he's actually been on the bench for the last three matches. He actually got into the match, uh, was it Saturday night or... Yeah, Saturday or last night? It was last Anyways, night. His, yeah, his most recent match, he got in... Um, Late, like, and I think I want to say like the 70th minute, he actually assisted on the game-winning goal. Um, but everything we're hearing about Reynoso and about how it's moving forward, moving forward, keeps coming from Adrian Heath. And I'm a bit skeptical. I was a bit skeptical about Amaria. We got Amaria over the line. Um, I'm even more skeptical skeptical about Reynoso because we're not hearing it from anybody else, not from anybody at Boca. And until yesterday, we hadn't heard literally anybody from um, the team say anything about. Uh, or any other reporting about Reynoso. You know, the other weird thing about Reynoso, the news only coming from Heath, is this front office has been rock solid. It's been hard to get rumors in and out of there. This isn't, you know, where we're going to hear 50 player names across the summer, across the winter, and figure out, you know, one or two of them may come to fruition. So this feels weighty. It feels like there should be more probability placed on the fact that Heath is willing to talk about it, um, apparently, there's no tapping up rule in uh, <laughs> in MLS. That was, you know, I was a little worried about that. Uh, fill me in tapping up rule. Oh, in England, uh, one team's coach cannot talk about another team's players. Uh, it's not always prosecuted. Uh, Jurgen Klopp, for example, earlier this year complimented one of Arsenal's players and said he was great. But if there's any hint that they're trying to destabilize the player or potentially force a deal somewhere down the line, uh, the FA can then find the team and the coach. Gotcha. So that's called tapping up. So Heath, for example, has been more than willing to talk about how much he likes Reynoso and we're trying to sign Reynoso. And if there was a tapping up rule, he would definitely be in violation of it 100%. Obviously, this is an ideal. Reynoso, for those of you who haven't watched him, is a pretty traditional 10. Um, the spot that's right now occupied by probably Kevin Molino. Um, 
pass first, looks to make his teammates better. Uh, he's the guy who will open up a lot of goals. A little bit of what Jan Gregush did last year, but further up in the midfield. Yeah, more, more attacking. Um, so I really hope this gets done. Sincerely, I do. I just, the clock is ticking. Boca doesn't have a clear replacement for him. I'm just worried. I think this probably, if it gets done, gets done in the summer. Yeah. But, man, he is definitely the type of player who makes Minnesota United notably better going into the season if they can put this across the line. Yeah, we did, we did, I did mention that last, last week, and I, I said this sounds like they're laying the groundwork for a summer move. Um, and then he turned around and said within the next 48 hours, yeah, which didn't happen. Or yeah, moving with, within a week or so. He, he kind of, he's kind of fudged that timeline couple of different times um it, it's like me trying to show up to record a podcast i just keep pushing it back <laughs> pushing it back no uh, no oh, no 10 more minutes i still need to find parking yeah uh pablo from the minnesota football show if you don't listen to the minnesota football show and you live in minneapolis especially in south minneapolis it's on krsm on saturday mornings at 10 a.m um have, mj have you been on that podcast i have been on that podcast yeah, I've, I've been on the podcast a couple times um, bridget mcdowell is, is, is yeah. now a, a regular on yeah, that podcast. eric silver brenneman and bridget mcdowell are the sort of the regular co-hosts and there's a a roving cast of characters including uh pablo miranda and sheila regan um Anyways, Pablo apparently said on the podcast on their on their show on Saturday. It's a done deal. If you don't know Pablo, he's uh, Argentinian. He's no, got Paraguayan. Is per, he? Is he Paraguayan? He's Paraguayan or Uruguayan. Okay. Anyways, he's got connections down in South America. He does. Um, and so especially so he he seems to think it's a done deal. Um, but then we heard uh, there's some quotes that came out today about uh, Chris. So Chris Wright was at the Amaria availability yesterday. And uh, he did not sound as enthusiastic about getting a deal done as one Adrian Heath did. Um, he didn't. He didn't like put throw cold water on it by any stretch of the imagination. But he definitely seemed to think it was uh, much more of a work in progress, shall you? Shall we say? So, I mean, read read of that what you will. They are just temperamentally. Heath is is way more gung ho. Chris Wright, if you've ever seen him in person, gotten to talk to him. He's a very nice person, but he's very English, which oh, yeah. is to say That's if he says that he's he thinks something is interesting, he it means he thinks it's the greatest thing that humanity <laughs> has ever achieved. Take the Minnesota like quasi passive aggressiveness and knock it up about 50 notches. That so is. the fact that Chris isn't all gung ho about this, I don't think we should take as necessarily a super bad sign, yeah. but I'm also 0% surprised that Adrian Heath is the one out here with the pom-pom saying this is getting done, we're doing yeah. this and and Chris Wright's a little bit more reserved. And Adrian Heath's British too, so yeah. But 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 he's more extroverted. Yeah, um, I just, it just it's funny going back on you know we just talked about like we haven't heard anything any other reports from any place else. The only thing we've so we've seen outside of Adrian Heath being uh, super rah rah cheerleader get this done is Chris Wright. So uh, you know read of that what you will. Uh, one other uh, signing that's coming in though uh, is uh, Big Celery. Uh, Aaron Schoenfeld, um, former Crew 96 striker. He spent the last four years in Israel uh, coming back to MOS. Um, he's big. He's like 6'4", 6'5", something like that. 6'4". Um, now, this is, it's, he's a, this is an interesting move. Uh, you would expect with Amaria, with Toy, um, you definitely want more depth there, especially considering Toy, you know, theoretically, if we, assuming we qualify for, God willing, we qualify for the Olympics, won't be there. He's definitely a different kind of a change of pace type of a player in terms of he's a big fucking guy who's going to put his head on the ball. Um, he's not going to burn anybody with speed like uh, Amaria. 
uh, he is not as uh, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting signing. Um, you know, it's one of those things. It's kind of like uh, it wouldn't surprise me if he is. Who who did we bring? Uh, who, was it um, Josh Gat? We brought in and then we turned around and sold right away. Josh Gat, Brandon Allen, Brandon Allen. It wouldn't surprise me if this is a you know a similar situation. Um, I just don't see how much how often he's going to get on the field with with Amaria and with uh, Toy, considering the type of a system that Adrian Heath likes to play. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. He's I see him as a depth guy, and possibly like you said, uh, someone that we can then trade or or work in a deal with. That said, and I totally agree. I mean, he's obviously a depth player. He's not going to push Toy for minutes, assuming they're both healthy. Uh, I like him as an interesting change of pace guy. I mean, Roman Metner, obviously one of his absolute top skills. is He's a phenomenal crosser of the ball. Uh, Chase Gasper got a lot better last year. I've heard uh, reports that he's gotten better even during this offseason. He got a haircut. And he looks doesn't look like a 40-year-old man anymore. <laughs> or a different it's kind of 40-year-old no, man. No, he, actually, he actually looks good. He look, he's, like, he's, looking, he's looking tight. I'm not so. touching that one with a 40-foot pole, so yep. we're just going to leave that and move on to go, a 40-year-old pole. Go for 40. Oh, I hate everything about this conversation. <laughs> the fact that Minnesota now has a player who will challenge the biggest center backs in the league for balls and who's a really, really good target, I think is really interesting. You know, if he's on the bench in a game where uh, United has really struggled to find a breakthrough, but Metnair continues uh, to beat his mark for pace down the side, yeah, maybe you do sub him in, give him. 30 to 40 minutes. I mean, not that Heath ever makes a second half sub before minute 70, so yeah. 20 minutes. Give him 20 minutes to get on the end of a ball. It's at least an interesting change of pace. Honestly, I would rather have this type of player to sub in than yet another guy who's going to try to beat guys for pace down the center who's too similar to our other attacking players. Ethan Finley loves this dude for what it's worth, and they did play together at Crew. Yep. Uh, a couple other notes, and then we'll uh, we'll take a break. Uh, Allianz Field was approved to sell beer on the Great Lawn, uh, plus more food trucks. Um, if you uh, didn't see the KSCP uh, news, a local businessman said, eat rocks to Minnesota United. Uh, I kid, I kid. West did not say eat rocks to Minnesota United. But um, So, yeah, so that's interesting. There'll be, there was food trucks last year. Um, this is actually encompasses the entirety of the Great Lawn, so parts that are even not even really developed yet. Um, and I don't know what that's going to look like in terms of uh, Minnesota United. Is Minnesota United uh, going to, you know, they might probably, we're probably, I'm assuming they'll coordinate with, Certainly, and Summit to create, you know, have their beer trucks out or something like that. So, be interesting to see, and it's interesting to see if they do. Because they did do that like thirty-minute happy hour before games. It, maybe that's extended to the Great Lawn, and and you know, otherwise it's you can get a five-dollar Summit at uh, at Blackheart. So, yeah. yeah. As cool as this is, and I'm sure people will take advantage of it. Honestly, the easiest thing to do to patronize. Uh, local businesses is if you're going to do pregame drinking, do it at Blackheart, do it at Trend. Yeah. Like, you don't always have to shop at the Furniture Mart. You certainly can, <laughs> don't get me wrong. But, you know, if you're trying to build up the Midway and, and build up some goodwill, man, don't pay $7, $9, all $13 for a beer on the Great Lawn. Go to one of the local bars. They're great. It also it also extends to all of the events at Allianz, too. So not just Minnesota United games. So that's interesting, too. Um, I know they are looking to bring in concerts and, and do other other things as well. So the, this permit extends to all of the work, all of the all of the events that are happening at Allianz. So sorry, MJ, I, I cut. So then this prompts our, our great over under as we're uh, we're want to do on this podcast. Over under fourteen passed out people at the next Tojo game on the Great Lawn. <laughs> 
Uh, finally, or this was actually just announced uh, or uh, reported by Jeff Reuter uh, a little bit earlier this uh, this evening. We're recording on Monday. Um, Dane St. Clair will be sent on a season-long loan to San Antonio FC. Uh, if you remember, he played um, was on a loan, a shuttle, basically a shuttle loan to Forward Madison last year. Forward Madison plays in USL League One. Uh, San Antonio FC is a USL championship club. Uh, he will be competing, so he's not, you know, he's not given the starting job, but he'll be competing with uh, the incumbent keeper Matt Cardone. Um, and he, I mean, this is obviously, I think, in coupling with the acquisition of Tyler Miller, is a good thing. I think Dane needs to be competing for minutes, needs to be seeing um, game time regularly. I think this would be good for his development as a professional. Um, he has aspirations of being the Canadian keeper uh, going forward, and he really needs to to step up and 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 do that. Well, if you look at Ford Madison, they, they play in USL League One, which is the, the third tier of, of U.S. soccer. Going to play, play for a USL championship side, the second tier, you know, that's a step up. It's a step in the right direction. Assuming he gets minutes, he's going to see, see, be seeing better shots, better players um, from uh, more challenging angles and things like that. So it is a good move for both Minnesota United and Dane St. Clair. The only problem is that he won't get to hang out with Sting, the old San Antonio Scorpions mascot. I was just going to ask if they had recycled that mascot. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Uh, they have not. Uh, if you want a good, if you want a good, uh, there is a West. Uh, I don't know if you read for fifty-five-one or for somebody, but there's a great article about uh, the San Antonio Scorpions unveiling their their home ma- their, I, their new mascot, Sting, at halftime of a Minnesota United match. Uh, find that and read it. I did a spoof track, and I'll try to retweet this tonight as well. I did a spoof track of that evening to uh, the police's SO, uh, message in a bottle. So, <laughs> uh, and then finally, um, this also sort of just crossed uh, crossed my radar this, this evening as I was prepping for the podcast. Uh, Miguel Ibarra has joined Seattle, the Seattle Sounders, um, in Mexico for training. Uh, they are training there ahead of their uh, Concacaf Champions League match, which is are all going to be on Fox, or FS1 and FS2, I believe. Um, if you want to watch the CONCACAF Champions League. So Miguel, who's been without a team, uh, he's been rumored to be with several different teams, Seattle being one of those teams. Um, it's great that he's training or that he's trialing with them and training with them. Hopefully he ends up there. There's, a, I think if he does, there's lots of opportunity for Miguel to play uh, with Seattle this year. So It's great for him. I was really hoping he'd go to the Eastern Conference so there wasn't that sort of emotional conflict. But honestly... More power to him. I hope he gets minutes. I hope he kicks ass. I hope he plays so well they build a statue of him outside the stadium, even if it means putting a couple past Minnesota the United. I think Heath did him pretty wrong, and uh, I'm all for Miguel's revenge. We can win our other games. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk um, the U.S. national team, especially the, specifically the U.S. women's national team, uh, EPL. Uh, we got to go to bet some soccer, and we got some fucking answers. You won't. To be that type of dude And I want to be who you like me to But we both know I can't do nothing at all All right, well, in addition to all that Minnesota United news um, And MLS CBA news We actually had some uh, international soccer, international flavor U.S. Women's National Team, they locked up their uh, qualification to the Olympics in Tokyo this year. Um, they beat Mexico 4-0 in the semifinals, that which officially locked up their Olympic spot. 
Um, remember, there are only two uh, CONCACAF spots available this year. And only 16 teams total. And only 16 teams total. And then they beat Canada uh, last night in the final 3 to nothing. Um, I saw – I watched about two-thirds of this game. Me I too. saw the first uh, the first Lynn Williams goal. Um, that was a nice, absolutely gorgeous goal. And then uh, we got in our car to go see the uh, the new Mister or the yeah the new Mister Rogers movie, well, and proceeded to miss the uh, the, the two uh, nails in the coffin. Uh, Lynn Williams assisted the other two goals. Did she really? Okay. So she had she a, had a, an amazing a, a, tournament. Amazing tournament. Uh, I thought I thought Sam Mewis and uh, Lindsey Horan had great tournaments. Mewis looked really good in the games I watched too. Yeah. So. Um, did anybody see the last two goals? Or yes. Oh, yeah. you okay? Why don't you, why don't you tell us about the last, those last two goals then? Uh, well, so the second goal, uh, Sam Mewis was coming down the left side. She was in the left corner, hits this big looping cross. Lynn Williams, one touches it with her head, to kind of as a square lateral, and then Lindsay Horan, like off the chest, right, right foot over to left foot. Pass, pass in, you know, far, far post. It was really beautiful. Yeah, it was a fantastic goal. That touch, I mean, the shot was nice, don't get me wrong, but that goal was made by Lindsay Horan's first touch to put it past the defender. And she, she was phenomenal in this tournament. I feel like the U.S. women have had such good strikers over their history, from mm-hmm. Mia Hamm to Abby Wambach to Alex Morgan and Megan Rapino. I feel like it, it can be easy for the sort of mid and defend defenders to get lost. Lindsay Horan is making a name for herself in this team. Yeah, no, it, they have such a strong uh, midfield. If they play a 4-3-3 and you have Julie Ertz in the six, having uh, attacking midfielders like, like Mewis and, and Horan are just incredible. I thought they did well in the last World Cup, and I know it's hard because the level of competition in CONCACAF is not the same, but they, they looked even better. Like, like it's no doubt that, that, that Mewis and Horan have stepped their game up. I'm looking forward to the Olympics. I'm looking forward to the She Believes Cup. Uh, the sort of that in-between. Yes. They, they're playing England. They've got uh, It's a much higher level of competition. Japan. Japan. It, the, the She Believes Cup is a great introduction to women's soccer outside of the major tournaments, the Olympics and the World Cup. Um, so definitely tune in if you're not familiar with, uh, with the U.S. women. Uh, honestly, it'll be really, really interesting to see how this team performs. They looked really rusty in this tournament and yet didn't give up a single goal and really only gave up two to three big chances. Obviously, the one against Haiti that <laughs> definitely should have counted got conca-calfed off is one of the great uh, alternate histories. What if that goal had gone in? You know, Could Haiti have held on for a draw in that game? But, yeah, this is a team that clearly is unbelievably talented, and they're about to get a chance to show it against some top-class competition. So I think I read a stat somewhere that there's the reigning world champion has never won the Olympics in the following year. Is that correct? Is that correct? So okay. the U.S. held held both both the Olympics and the World Cup, but it was over the big three-year span. Mm. Um, not the it wasn't bang bang. So they've been Olympic one, champions one and then they won the World Cup. So, but they've never it's never been the other direction. Correct. No, no, no team, no right. team, no women's team. There's been. Eight women's World Cups and six women's uh, Olympic championships, and no team has done the back-to-back. Okay, this is uh, the year. Who uh, who won awards? Uh, uh, so, first of all, I, before I get into the awards, which all went to U.S. and Canadian uh, representatives, I just want to say, Mex- watching the replay of the Mexico team, like just seeing their progress with the help of a very strong uh, Liga Emi Equis uh, Femenino 
uh, league. You know, that's been great. I've been actually like, I'll, um, I'll just be like, oh, Tigris and Monarchus are playing, and then it's like the women's, it's the feminine. I'll be like, oh fuck yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, like, I make I, like I like my I love watching soccer, and so it's just I literally have soccer on when I'm home at home with Ragnar during the day, like because like. Uh, be it, like Fox, just play, like Fox Sports, FS1, FS2, especially FS2, like just does like replays of Bundesliga and all that. And then I have a, uh, I have Fubo, so I have like BN Espanol, and I have a bunch of uh, I have, uh, uh, the Univision Sports Network, and they also like play soccer. So I, just, I literally have my TV on all day. My kids like playing, and we're playing, in the, but I just have the TV on on mute, basically, or like very low, just watching soccer all day. And the 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 uh, uh, Liga MXs Femenil is fucking great. Yeah, and. It's it's mostly, if not all, Mexican women, and I can't believe their attendance. Their attendance keeps getting better. The the players get better. Um, I believe her name is Alvarado, the the Mexican goalkeeper. She was amazing. Forget about the full four goals that she let in versus the U.S. Just amazing tip over the bar. I believe on Samantha Mewis. Uh, had a point blank range shot from from uh, Lindsey Horan. Um, uh, was it? Jessica McDonald, I saw her make really amazing saves from really good players. So, and she's their number one keeper, not wearing number one on her kit. She's wearing number 12. Uh, she is currently goalkeeping for the uh, Texas Christian University uh, Horn, Horn Frogs. So, like, she's not even, like, in Liga MX uh, Femenil or NWSL yet. So, Excellent. Uh, amazing young talent. Get to, getting to the awards, uh, Golden Glove, uh, uh, Stephanie LeBay from uh, Canada. Not too surprising considering that as amazing as Alyssa Nair played in this tournament, she just did not have to make that many saves. Um, uh, Golden Boot goes to uh, Jordan uh, Haitema. Jordan Haitema plays for uh, one Olympic Lyonnaise. She plays for Lyon uh, in Europe, so one of the, the best women's team in the world. And uh, no offense, North Carolina Courage, but <laughs> I'll just go out and say that. And uh, so she wins the gold boot with seven goals. If Horan had scored a second goal in the final because Horan had more assists or in, had seven goals and fewer amount of playing minutes, <laughs> Horan would have won the golden boot. Mm. But uh, so. And then, Pino being greedy over there. For that third <laughs> oh, <goal>. <laughs> reminds me of the last goal. You were asking about the third, the third goal for uh, Minnesota versus Can- or <laughs> USA versus Canada. The uh, Lynn Williams had the ball in, in kind of the number 10 spot and she looks left and with a shoulder and, and head fake looking left to Rapino on the left gets the defender to track left opening up a big passing lane up the middle and then puts this perfectly weighted through ball that Rapino times to stay on sides runs onto. And then I thought it looked like a really straightforward, boring goal. And then I t- watched the replay in slow motion. Rapino does kind of a over to the left foot, back to her right. It was really minimal because of how fast she was running to get onto that ball, onto the through ball. But it was really minimal. But Megan Rapino kind of got the goalkeeper to, to think a little to, to uh, LeBay to her left and then scores, pulls it over to her left foot and, and scores to LeBay's right. It was, it was a beautiful goal as well. Uh, Kristen Press gets the golden ball, and somehow the U.S. Women's National Team gets the Fair Play Award. It has something to do with red cards and, and yellow cards, and what else not. Well, they don't they don't really need to, need to tackle most of the teams that they're playing. <laughs> That's so. true. Um, <laughs> another really interesting, I think, uh, 
Haiti had both both the the most uh, fouled uh, player and the most player who committed the most fouls, and both were at 13. And in my brain, I'm kind of thinking, were they just fouling each other? <laughs> that would explain why they got beat so many times. Two of their players just routinely fouling each other. That's true. So one thing we were actually kicking around in our uh, in our. Uh, group text uh, about this and I think Dan you brought this up and I'll, I'll pose it to you first uh, we all can like sort of kick in on it um, the USA team versus the uh, CONCACAF best 11 how much does the US win by I mean, it's a really good question but to MJ's point this question four years ago isn't even fun you know it's no the the US is beating even the CONCACAF all-stars by three, four, five goals. But the, the quality of play in CONCACAF has gone up just astronomically in the last few years. Uh, you've got uh, Jamaica, who's making a pretty solid yes. growth within the league. Mexico looks way better, although they, I think they still have fair ways to go. Um, Costa Rica. Costa Rica looks good. Costa Rica's keeper, whose name I'm totally blanking on, looked really good when they played against the U.S. So this is, this is now a much more interesting question, and four years from now it will be – I don't think it will be cut and dry – that the U.S. women beat the CONCACAF All-Stars. Uh, you know, right now this team includes uh, Christine Sinclair up top. It includes Alvarado in goal. There's some really solid defense going on. I still think the U.S. wins this game. Uh, let's be charitable and say 3-1. Sounds right. So I'd say if it's, if it's minus 2.5, are you taking the over or the under on that? I'm still taking the over at 2.5 because the potential exists. And, and part of this comes down to the U.S. women function as a team and no all-star team can ever compete True. with. True. Yeah, fair enough. MJ, do you I'll, have any, anyone to add on that? I'll just or? say, uh, like, just looking at, at uh, the C- Canadian national team, doing kind of research on them, like, they have two players that play for Olympic Lyonnais. They have a player who plays for PSG. They have a player who plays, uh, Janine Becky, uh, an amazing forward for them, uh, plays for Manchester City. Uh, that's, and Canadians have some players in the uh, NWSL, right? Yes. Yeah. That's where most of them play. Yeah, you know. I was going to say. But, but just the number of players playing for top European clubs, uh, UEFA Champions League clubs in, in Europe, is really, really impressive. All right. Um, okay, oh, well, can yeah. I? Well, yeah, go ahead. So on top of that, this tournament really, really felt more so than the World Cup, than the Women's World Cup last year. This tournament really felt like there's a changing of the guard in, women, in, in CONCACAF women's football. And what I mean by that is you saw people like Samantha Mewis, Lindsey Horan, uh, Lynn Williams scoring go- goals. The Alex Morgan, you know, Kristen Press had a phenomenal tournament. There's a reason why she won the Golden Ball. But, you know, Megan Rapino, uh, Carly Lloyd, uh, their roles less so, you know. Uh, Rose Lavelle, very young, you know, still in a ca- cast. Uh, great tournament, and you could say the same thing about every other Concacaf team. Uh, the The highest goal scorer on Canada was not Christine Sinclair, it was it was Jordan he- Heitema. Yeah. So it, I kind of feel like just overall, you're seeing the next generation of of women's soccer come through, and it's exciting. Yeah. Uh, all right, moving along. Uh, EPL. So EPL had a weird. This, this is a weird couple of weeks for EPL. They they're doing their uh, uh, inaugural winter break, um, where it's but instead of like just doing it straight, like hey, we're just gonna take we're gonna take everybody in the league gets the weekend off, and we're gonna give you like 14, 13 days or whatever. Um, we're just gonna like only play half of the games or less than half of the games, um, and then uh, and then they had the the fun thing of a game getting canceled. Um, so. <laughs> 
so there was that. Uh, but I think the biggest uh, sort of news of uh, EPL this week was the uh, clubs voting to move their deadline day, uh, their fall deadline day deal back to in line with the rest of Europe. Um, I think it's September 5th of uh, 2020 this year. Um, if you remember, the EPL had a create a self-imposed deadline two years ago where they uh, closed up shop right before the, you know, before the season started. Their idea was that you want to have the entire roster together. Uh, they figured that if they did that, then every other league in Europe, and this is the English hubris again, <laughs> if they did it, then every other, every other league in Europe would be like, every other league in Europe, Europe was like, well, you're going to not, you're going to stop buying players, but we, we can still buy your fucking players. And so that's what they did. Uh, EPL clubs w- wisely realized um, that that wasn't going to work, and uh, and have moved back, and they or have voted to move their deadline day deal back with the rest of Europe. Yeah, it's very amusing that uh, the English were like, "Yeah, we're going to do this," and everyone else is going to follow suit. And Europe went, "No, yeah, we but uh, we but we, inv- but we invented football." Yeah. <laughs> no one cares. Congratulations yeah. on that. No one cares. We invented association we, 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 football. We, we technically codified the the rules in Cambridge. Yeah, and and then claim inventing, <laughs> even though the game was being played around the world. Yeah, it's a codification as a type of invention. No, it's not. Uh, this is a smart move for the FA. It's a smart move for the EPL. Um, there are a bunch of teams who played a little shorthanded this year, having sold a player sort of in that intervening period, and then not really being able to buy back until the uh, the winter window. So I think this is the right decision. Honestly, though. If I had to choose, I wish every league had followed the English, not because it was English, but because, yeah, finalize your teams, get the season underway, and then figure out your holes in January is my preference, as opposed to, oh, whoops, we played three games, and it turns out our squad sucks. Yeah. And then uh, we had some, as as they alluded to, we had some bad weather uh, in... uh in England and across Europe, actually canceling a lot of matches, not just not just European, not just English football matches, but uh, other matches. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that, uh, MJ? Well, those of you who know that I, I really have a passion for following women's soccer, I was really meteorology excited. as well. I was really excited to to report on WSL, the the English FA's uh, women's soccer league, but all the matches were canceled, including. The Merseyside Derby of of Liverpool versus there was a there was Edmonton. a North London Derby as well this weekend I think I think allegedly yeah, yeah. yeah. Where there was supposed to be a North London Derby but but yeah all the WSL games were canceled uh, Man City versus West Ham canceled a bunch of other sports that Britain, British people care about like rugby and cricket cancel uh, horse racing canceled MJ only wants to follow WSL and uh, particularly the Merseyside Derbies because that's the only time that Everton can beat Liverpool this year for certain so. No, I'm, I, I, I jest, I jest. He actually truly jest. He's going to be our Woso soccer uh, contributor uh, this coming year. Um, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, bad weather? If, you, like if you don't believe the weather was bad enough to cancel matches, look up the uh, who was that West Brom Millwall game. <laughs> um, there's a video of the of. Uh, look it up. Yeah, or is it Norwich? Norwich? Maybe Norwich was playing. I think it was. No, no, Norwich. no. It was, it was West Brom Millwall. Millwall. Millwall's taking a corner, and two players and the referee cannot get the ball to sit in place. I mean, it's a solid minute long video of the ball getting blown, just sitting on the ground, truly getting blown almost <laughs> back into the box by the wind. So, I don't think this was a, a situation where anyone made a, a hasty decision and regretted it. This was a terrible, terrible weekend for English sports, and they were right to cancel. 
Now, if they could just admit that we have the better soccer calendar and, and adapted, if all of Europe could just adapt to a, a more summer playing schedule, that would be better. Right on. All right. Um, we're moving moving right along uh, to uh, we're going to bet some soccer, um, or at least we're going to talk about some odds for some soccer bets that uh, that we should uh, you know, we think you guys might be interested in. <clears throat> um, first one I want to uh, bring up is the uh, EPL to uh, to stay up. Um, this is the uh, near the bottom of the table. Um, the these are the teams that are not great at uh, at soccer right now in uh, in the English Premier League. And um, let's uh, let's figure out a uh, between the three of us. I think let's, we can figure out a decent a decent bet in here. Um, basically, the bottom three teams. Obviously, if you you know follow uh, most 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 soccer leagues, the bottom three teams are relegated right now. That is looking like as the league currently stands: Norwich, Watford, and West Ham. Um, West Ham's on twenty four points. Watford's also on twenty four points. West Ham has a game in hand on them. Uh, Norwich City at 18 points. So it sounds like, seems to me that Norwich City is going down. They're playing Liverpool this weekend. So that's probably, they're probably not going to gain any points on Liverpool. Although, watch this be the game Liverpool loses. Please, Lord. Um, so the uh, the betting odds for, uh, to stay up in the EPL, um, the aforementioned Norwich is at plus 800. So you have a lot of confidence in Norwich to, to make any money there. Um, Aston Villa is minus 110. Aston Villa is not. They currently are right above the relegation table um, on 25 points. Uh, they are not not great odds. Or they are decent odds to stay up. Um, Bournemouth, West Ham, Watford, Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley. Burnley's at minus 8,000. Newcastle is at minus 16,000. So you're going to have to bet a lot of money on either of those two. Brighton, minus 700. Watford, minus two, 225. Um, then West Ham minus one seventy five, Bournemouth one fifty. I think um, between Watford, West Ham, and Bournemouth, that is interesting. I Watford was sitting at the bottom of the table and by a lot for an extended period of time. They really punched themselves out, and they were actually out of the relegation zone for a little bit, and are now back in it. So Wasn't they're kind that of the prediction that Watts, that Watford would 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 escape. I think it was. I think couple, it was. A couple my, weeks my, ago, yeah. My, my long shot prediction of Norwich uh, escaping is still false. Yeah. Don't bet yeah. On, do not bet on Norwich. Yeah. I, I, I was really high after they beat Man City earlier this year, but let's just admit that Man City isn't what Man City used to be. Yeah. Uh, I am looking forward to the uh, the joint bet, though, of Timo Puki, Golden Boot, <laughs> and Norwich to go down. Yeah. I want to know what odds I can get on that. I mean, West Ham is sitting in that, in that, uh, <laughs> that 18 spot. I think if you know of these odds, West Ham at minus one seventy-five, it's probably. I, I think that's the one I would I would seriously consider and look at, just because um, they have David Moyes. Um, David Moyes is, knows how to escape relegation. He's done it with West Ham before. He's no Big Sam, though. He is no Big Sam, um, <laughs> but he uh, he's he's uh, managed this team before, and I think he knows how to get this team out of relegation. I think actually a lot of a lot of places I've, I've seen West Ham going down so I think getting him at minus 175 is not a terrible deal are there anything is there any bet here that you would consider taking no no okay <laughs> oh, well I, um, maybe Watford but that's a maybe okay I don't think Watford goes down so that's an interesting bet honestly though looking at Aston Villa at a minus 110. I think Villa stays up. I really like Jack Grealish. I really like some of their other attacking players. I just don't see them. You mean eventual Man United player Jack Grealish? I I don't know what Grealish is. I mean, he is a, he is an Aston Villa boy through and through. 
He's been with him in the championship before. That doesn't mean he'll he'll go down with him again. Um, obviously, a super talented player. He could he could play at United if he wanted to. He could also go to a real club if he wanted to. I know Arsenal has had some interest in him. I feel like I feel like Norwich goes down. Honestly, I think Bournemouth goes down, and then probably Brighton, maybe West Ham. I actually really dislike that West Ham bid. That uh, those odds are not. Yeah, no, not uh, quite where I want him to be. So if I'm betting on this, it's I would take either Villa or Watford before I took West Ham. All right, MJ, anything else you want to add, or you have a, uh, a, a my preference? David there? Moyes bias aside, I say don't best on, bet on West Ham. So I agree with I agree with Dan. As much as I hate to, <laughs> down the hammers. All right, uh, all right, Syria. Um, that's another another fun one. The uh, racism. <laughs> yes. Well, honestly, they're they're very racist. The uh, so right now the Syria table is looking like uh, Inter Milan um, jumped over Juventus after Juventus Hell choked yeah. against uh, Hellas Verona. I mean, Inter Milan's they have really fucking racist fans. So let's not let's not let's not shout them out too much. Um, but they are currently sitting in first place, um, tied with Juventus on fifty four points. I'm just glad Juventus isn't in first. Uh, Inter Milan just beat uh, AC Milan in the Milan Derby on Sunday. Uh, Lazio is sitting. It's Lazio is sitting. You want to talk about racist? Straight up Nazi racist, fans. Ra- racist <laughs> fans. Come on. Yeah. At fifty three points, those are the three teams that got the uh, that are have the most shot. And let's take a look. Um, Inter Milan or Juventus. Sorry, is, is at minus one fifty. Inter Milan at plus two hundred and Lazio at plus five hundred. Who would you take in that one? Or you, where are you going to spend? Your, where are you going to put your money? Um, I. My heart is with Inter Milan. My my head is with Juventus. My money's I, with Lazio. <laughs> my money's with Inter. So I, this is an interesting one. Yeah. We're kind of straight across the board. Uh, Inter added Christian Eriksen in the window, which was, was the rumor, and they finally did get that deal done. Uh, Lukaku looks phenomenal there. He looks about as good with them as he does with Belgium, which is to say how he never looked with Manchester United, and I think that's sort of an interesting question to ask why. Um, he should come back to play for Everton. I don't think he should come back to England. Period. Like that's. <laughs> I'm not. I am not saying that he was victimized by racial abuse there. I don't think he's ever said that. But there is. There. Let's put it this way: Serie A is not the only league in the world where there are some pretty serious uh, racism issues. Oh yeah, yeah. No, Greece has got a lot of shit going on too. Right, there's, well, a, look, there's, <laughs> a, there's a bunch of leagues. Yeah, I was yeah. referring to England, but yeah. yeah. I mean, this is not. Oh, yeah. This is not remotely an isolated problem. It happens to be probably most prominently on display. Yeah. In. Uh, in Italy, but no, I think Inter's got a really, really interesting squad. Um, I'm not saying Juventus is a one-man band; they're not. But if Ronaldo were to go down, I think they are less able to cope with that injury than Inter would be losing Lukaku or Eriksson or some of their other players. Can I? Uh, so I, I, I would if I was going to bet this one, I would put money on Lazio. I think Lazio at plus five hundred is is actually really good value right now. The next their next match is uh, this coming Sunday. I, against Inter Milan um, at home. Um, now, I'm not advocating for Lazio as a club. I think Lazio, again, fucking Nazis. Um, but if you th- – that's where I think where the, the, the smart money is. I mean, I think Inter Milan and Juventus are going to go toe-to-toe um, you know, for the rest of the year. Lazio has to go to Juventus, has to go to Torino to play Juventus. Um, but I think if Lazio beats Inter Milan and, and Juventus that's a big drops – if they do, and but they've been they've been sort of sort of like weird, crazy Nazi team of destiny this year so far. If they do, if they happen to win that game, 
um, at which is again at home uh, in front of all their fucking racist fans. Uh, I think that, those odds drop considerably. And I think getting them at plus five hundred um, would actually be uh, you'd actually you could make some money. I don't think I don't think ultimately they're winning the league, but if you if you think they do, I think this is this is the time right now. If you haven't bet them before, now is the time to bet them because if they win this game. Then I think their odds are going to go way down. If they lose this game, then I don't think they're going to. I don't think they have a shot. I, I think it, go for it, MJ. It, it just just to be sure, since this is going to go on the internet and be there for all of time, and we're on the record, I want to be, you to clarify, David. You you are in favor of Lazio because of the value, yes, of, of their betting, not in favor of their racist fans. No, 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 hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, no, they. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad we got that on because record. of the yeah because no yes obviously the value of that bet. I think sort of in a similar vein, I think if you're going to bet Lazio to win at plus 500, I think you then also have to do it. I would parlay it, to be honest. Yeah. I would parlay it with beating Inter this weekend and see if you can add some value there. Because I, I truly think they need to beat Inter to, to make up that point gap. Uh, because Serie A has a huge amount of variability. It's not MLS levels of truly anyone can beat anyone. But this is not a league. Lazio, Inter... Juventus, none of these guys are Liverpool or even Man City in terms of winning pretty much every match. Uh, so more parity, more yeah, more parity, more randomness. So if you think Lazio goes on to win the league, I think it has to start this weekend. So parlay it with a win over Inter and improve your odds that much. There you go. Um, I was I put Girabal Cup out here, but there's literally there's only two teams and. Man City's minus fourteen hundred, and they're playing Aston Villa. I don't think uh, that's going to matter. Um, you don't believe in the magic of the Carabao Cup? I do not. Cup? Let's. I mean, very, very quickly. Um, uh, can I just say that? Yeah. Since that that the Carabao Cup has had so many different sponsors over the years. Yeah. Uh, Car- oh, yeah. Carling. Yep. Being another recent one. Um, I'm trying to think what the other. Uh, no Capital, sponsor. Capital One. They they seem to really like the alliteration. Uh, so like Carbo, Car Carling. Capital One Cup. They seem to like hard C uh, names for their sponsors. Um, but yeah, for those of you who want to just look this up on like Wikipedia, it's the Football League Cup. Um, so if you look up the Football League Cup, not to be confused with the Football League Trophy, that is a lower division so- soccer competition in the English FA, but the Football League Cup records will get you there regardless of sponsorship name. Yeah. Um, so the one the Final one I want to look at just very quickly, and, and we'll, we can talk a little more about this later, is uh, PFA Player of the Year. So the uh, uh, Player of the Year, right now, um, Jordan Henderson is the favorite at plus 125. Pass. Sadio Mane. Well, and, well I, yeah. So wait me, a minute. Now, he's had a great year, but don't you think Virgil van Dijk is, should be in that conversation? So, yeah. So let me let me finish. Uh <laughs> Jordan Harrison is, is the favorite at plus 125. Sadio Mane is at plus 275. Van Dyke is at plus 400. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne is, so the first non-Liverpool player is plus 600. Uh, you have Trent and Mo at plus 1,200. Roberto Firmino at plus 2,800. Then you get Jamie Vardy at plus 3,300. So, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. Six of the seven top players of the, of the players, six of the seven players, uh, you know, best odds right now are Liverpool players. Obviously, makes a ton of sense. Liverpool is like minus a hundred thousand to win the league right now. Like, you would need to bet a hundred thousand dollars to win a hundred dollars on Liverpool to Liverpool to lose or you know Liverpool I don't, not win the league. I don't think the league. I don't think Jordan Henderson's going to get it. So don't put your money there. So yeah, I mean th- those odds seem 
bonkers to me that he's plus 125. However, um, this is the Pro Football Association Player of the Year Award. So this is the fellow vote. footballers vote on this award. And, right. So and wait a minute. Me- media and coaches are not no, involved. This, I believe this is just. I believe this is the, the just the, the players. The players. Yeah, the okay. players vote. Um, you know, Sadio Mane is. Uh, you know, Ben. He's just coming back. He's he was back in training. Uh, I think I believe today. Um, I really think the you know Virgil Van Dyke at plus four hundred is probably the safest bet in terms of. Um, you know, just for what he's done. Although he's not, he's not been nearly as good as he was last year. So correct. I don't know. The, I just I thought this was a, like just you know, I think every single player in uh, Liverpool's uh, starting eleven, with the exception of um, of Wijnaldum and Allison Becker, are in the uh, are in the uh, Bavada odds right now. So, anyways, we don't have to talk about that. One. We can talk about that one later. Um, let's get to the uh, we get to some fucking answers. We've already bored you to shit with gambling so looney shark asks on a scale from one to don't be that's a very interesting scale of uh, of asking things how excited should we be over Amaria? i've expressed a fair amount of i don't want to say skepticism but wariness of Amaria's ability to come into the league and score goals the way he did last season when he had 19 yeah uh I retain that wariness. It's it is not truly it is not skepticism. It's just it kind of a show me the money thing. I mean, he scored 19 last year. He did show up in his media availability and say he was scoring 25 this year. Yeah, um, we didn't even talk about that at all. We, which <laughs> we should have. He said he was going to score 25 fucking goals. This I kind of feel that I was tongue in cheek, but still, he said it. I well, and you know what? Like that level of self confidence. That level of ego, that's good for a striker. In a way, it is very bad for a goalkeeper. So, you know, he's got, he plays with that confidence. I think that's great. Honestly, I'm pretty excited for him. If I were an outside, dispassionate observer, I I would put his over under closer to, honestly, if he gives the Loons 10 goals, that's a damn good loan spell. That would have made him the second highest goal scorer on the team last year. Yeah. So I'm excited, but that's definitely through a fan's eyes. Dispassionately, I think double digits is great. If I were a hater, I would say if Mason Toy doesn't get 30 goals, United's going to struggle this year. But I am not a hater. So uh, On a scale of one to don't be, I would say six. You know, <laughs> like, you know... Uh, which is to say, we were we've only seen videos of him scoring goals against teams that don't care about defense. And as to be fair, there's a lot of MLS teams that don't care about defense. Well, so I was gonna I was just gonna add that. And the other thing that I would say is a lot of MLS teams don't care about possession, or if they do, they're not good at it. Yeah. So there's gonna be turnovers. There, sorry, there are gonna be turnovers, and. We're going to get Amaria the ball, and let's see what he can do with it. But we, we have not seen him against MLS competition yet. I, yes, Looney Shirk, I will say, I, I mean, scoring a goal with your head after only training with the team for a few days uh, with this team is a good fucking sign uh, that he can has apparently created some sort of chemistry with his teammates. So I'm excited to see what that looks like and how that continues to look like that. I, I again, I, I 
we were burnt with Angelo in terms of like what we were offer, what we were promised, and what actually ended up being delivered. That is, you know, a lot on the team and Adrian Heath, and and particularly, you know, the legacy of Christian Ramirez and what we were expecting for the return there. But I think this is a he really has an opportunity to to do some to do some damage, and I know we we talked very like extensively about you know the you know Paraguayan league that he was in or the Ecuadorian league that he was in yes. playing no fucking defense you know again as I mentioned I just, just yeah, pointed out like there's a lot of teams in MLS that don't care about defense and don't really play defense um, or that they, are very bad or at they it. care about it and they're just really shitty at it Minnesota yeah. being one of those teams for a long time until very recently so so I'm a, I'm on a I'm gonna say I'm a you know an E on the, a scale of one to don't be I'm an E so what, this is what happens, Loon Shark, when you give us a really fucking egregious scale. A very vague, ambiguous yeah. scale. Give us an actual scale, and then we can answer your question correctly. Uh, related to that, David Kelly, uh, who's actually here watching the podcast right now, what insane shit are you willing to pledge yourselves to doing in the event that Amaria scores that aforementioned promised 25 goals? What are you committing on this podcast? Maybe, we, maybe this is something we think about, but like, let's spitball some ideas. What, what, like, what's commit to something if he scores 25 goals? I mean, this is spitballing. I'm not committing to this now. But if he scores 25, particularly if he wins the golden boot, I will, uh, I'll, get you, I'll get a mashing uh, hashtag panic tattoo. All right. For all you uh, new Davis I Know listeners, I actually have a hashtag panic tattoo. I was actually thinking about like, getting the Davis I Know logo tattooed on my body. Maybe even on my ass cheek. I mean, you are one of the Daves. So I that's know. Like a, it's like a little bit of a lower. I'm going to have to that's, explain that. That's it's true. not going to be a short Well, you don't necessarily get it on. Like, are you going to get it on the same spot, like on your on your forearm? Or no, would you I, got get it I got ideas for my, my forearm, okay. so I'll probably go right bicep. Okay, okay. MJ, is there anything that you would commit to doing if uh, Amaria scores those aforementioned 25 goals? I feel like I need to preface what I would do with how I normally drink and – Okay. Texas probably knows this about about me more than Dan does, but I usually cap out at about two or three drinks over a four or five hour period. I'm a very lightweight or uh, cheap drinker, if you will. Part of this is budget. Part of this is I usually have to drive home, and I value being a very safe, responsible driver. I would be willing to do several shots in a row if. Luis Amaria scores 25. And so while some of this doesn't sound like a lot of sacrifice, me getting out of my comfort zone of being safe and responsible is really stretching me. So, you know, wh- whether that's uh, the, the mo- most horrible tequila you, the bar has or, you know, just a bunch of raspberry kamikazes, you know, in a row, I would be willing to, to just down shots with somebody to celebrate that Luis Amaria met his 25 goal goal. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, I actually have a kid that I have to think about, so I don't know anything that's going to be too embarrassing. Like, and I was going to say, oh, yeah, I would like I get like 25 hash marks on my neck or something. Like, he scores twenty five goals. That's going to uh, raise some questions. Oh, it raise a lot of questions. Although I did, I did see, I did see uh, Lucer Amaria's uh, neck tattoo, and it's, uh, it's his initials L A. You know what? I would get my initials tattooed on my neck if he scores twenty five goals. It, I, I get D Z tattooed yeah. on my neck yeah. uh, if he scores twenty five goals. Don't mark me down for that yet. I mean, let me, 
Let me think about that for a hot second. But we're when we do our Minnesota United podcast, our preview podcast, which is going to be um, next week, sometime midweek of next week, when we're going to drop that, with, including the rest of the Western Conference, we'll uh, we'll put out we'll put down our uh, what we'll do if he scores those twenty five plus twenty five goals. He needs to score twenty six goals. He said at least twenty five goals. At least twenty five goals. All right. Um, so that, that actually brings us to uh, – so, yeah, I just want to give you guys sort of the, 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 uh, the schedule for the upcoming uh, couple weeks. Next week, we are going to record our Eastern Conference and Western Conference previews. So if you have any questions about Eastern Conference teams, Western Conference teams, um, please get those in. But, you know, sometime this week, just hit us at, uh, at TDIKMN. Uh, the week before, the Monday before the home opener, we are or before the season opener, we're going to have Chris Lidholm on the podcast. Uh, Chris Lidholm, uh, former voice of Minnesota soccer, voice of Minnesota soccer for over 25 years. He's going to be on the podcast. We're going to talk Minnesota United, break down the season, see what he has to think. Um, you know, Chris Lidholm always has many, many great stories about uh, about NASL days and about soccer players and soccer in Minnesota for going back way before even he was part of, of the Minnesota soccer scene in terms of like working for them. He, you know, he's been seeing the kickstays, and these guys haven't had a chance to actually interview him on mic, so I'm very excited for them to, to chat with Chris Lidholm. So that's going to be the, the week before our uh, you know, the week of our, of our season opener. Um, so if you have any questions about Eastern Conference, Western Conference teams, please get those in. We'll remind you all on the Twitter machines. Um, the last question is not really a question. Um, I just want to end the, the podcast with this. Josh E. asks, how, how about every time Chacon scores, we sing, Believe it or not, I'm walking on air. I never thought I could feel so free. Flying away on a wing and a prayer. Who could it be that Chacon boy? It's Tommy. I don't know. I, I didn't get warmed up. I didn't do my normal karaoke voice, so... What do you guys think? It's aspirational. I like that. I applaud it. Uh, it's going to turn to mud in the stadium. We so need, yeah. Maybe, maybe cut it down a little bit. Maybe just that last, like second stanza. We can, we can work but with we, that. But we, we, need a, we, need a, we need a Chacon song. So. I love the creativity. As yeah. a spoof songer, I love trying to get his his last name in, or his first name in there for the rhyme. Yeah. Uh, needs to be shorter. We need a Chacon song. So think about your Chacon songs. Uh, hit us up with your questions on the Eastern and Western Conference for next week. Guys, thank you so much for uh, for being a part of the podcast again. Thank you. Always, as obvious, obviously, um, we miss Bill. Bill uh, with the, his broken back. Um, he'll be back next week, hopefully. We gotta hopefully record that shit with not my mics and, and stuff. Um, you can always uh, find us at davesno.com at tdikmn on Twitter. I'm at Texas Eller. Dan's at d wade. MJ's at mj matsui, and Bill is at bill underscore mcguire. Um, does anything else to add? See you next week. We're getting close to real soccer. Yeah. God, we're going to be fucking real close. Preview time. All right. All right. This has been the Dave's I Know. We are the Dave's I Know. No, we can't do nothing at all. Long as you do yours, land here become fecund. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Do the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son.